I recently came across an article on the Philadelphia Tribune uh, entitled Black Representation and Appearance in Japanese Pop Culture. I found this article to be truly fascinating. The writer of this article was Noah Washington. I had the opportunity to sit down with Noah Washington and also Andre, who is a, a former writer of Boondocks. And this episode, we truly explore black representation throughout the f- full sphere of film and TV. Welcome to the Black Equity Podcast. We are here for another great episode of the Black Equity Podcast. I'm really excited about this conversation. Uh, We have never had an opportunity to talk about anime, uh, the the comic book world, uh, just different things that are happening within Black culture that deals with uh, animation and uh, really the the film side of, of Black culture. And so I'm excited about the two guests that we have on the line today. Uh, We have Noah Washington, which I came across an article of recently where he was talking about uh, black representation within anime. And then we also have Andre Brooks, who is an entrepreneur and a a former writer of Boondocks, both on the show. Noah, Andre, are you both there? Yes. Yes, we are. I'm here. How are you? Wonderful. Noah, introduce yourself a little bit and tell us also about uh, some of the recent articles that have been released. So I've uh, put out two um, new articles since uh, since we've last talked. Um, one is on HBO's uh, Watchmen series, which is just doing so much for the culture, uh, sharing so much info that people didn't know about and the people are saying you know they didn't know that this was a real thing that was happening in the world and the second article is on race spent casting and with previously established characters and what that is is basically taking for example comic book characters um and casting them with different races than as they were originally imagined with so for example nick fury um, in the comic books for Marvel Comics was originally a white guy. David Hasselhoff played him in the 80s, I think. And now we have Samuel L. Jackson playing him. 
and I just touch on the topics there. Now, we originally uh, ended up connecting because of that first article you had about Black representation in anime. Can you tell us a little bit about that article and some of the reaction that you've seen from it? Um, so, yes, I um, wrote an article on uh, representation in anime, and I basically went into um, just how there's no real recognizable idols to look up to. You got Afro Samurai. He's probably the most recognizable character. And recently I was watching a new show on Netflix called Cannon Busters, hmm. which basically has almost an entirely black cast. And oh, so I decided that this might, yeah. So I decided this will make a really good topic because I grew up watching anime, loving anime. Uh, Goku, Naruto, Ichigo are some of my favorite characters, not just in anime, but in any form of media ever. But unfortunately, they don't represent me um, as a person. They don't look like me. They don't speak like me. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that was an interesting thing to touch upon because not a lot of people realize that nor notice it. And what is some of the reaction you've received once you released that article and it started making its way around social media and around the Internet? Well, honestly, I thought I was going to get stoned in the streets. Um, <laughs> I thought I was so like, oh, my gosh, people are going to hate me. You know, uh, anime is very important to some people, um, especially um, here in Atlanta. Most of my friends love anime. You know, I have a friend who just binged Naruto and only watched Naruto for weeks. So I thought it would be very negative. But uh, everybody who's um, read it has come up to me and saying, this is amazing. Um, then they never really thought about this before. Mm. Now, Andre, you're a former writer on the Boondocks, correct? That's correct. Yeah, I was one of the uh, writers on season two and uh, did some help with season one. Now, do we consider, because I'm, I'm, you have to see me as kind of a newbie where I'm, I'm learning this as I go. Is Boondocks considered anime? If, if it's not, what is uh, the definition of what makes a quote-unquote cartoon a cartoon and what makes anime anime? So it was funny just kind of uh, hear, hearing you guys, um, you guys speak because um, when Noah was talking, I'm like, you know, Boondocks is pure anime. It was um, one of the most expensive projects that Cartoon Network had done at the time uh, it was actually the most expensive because Aaron Magruder, the show's creator, he loved anime. He grew up loving anime and he forced them to the standards of traditional anime. Um, anime is obviously a Japanese um, animation style okay. that uses less frames per second than what we're used to. Uh, and seeing American animation. So that gives it that look that is kind of choppy. Um, traditionally, it, it's cheaper to make. They, you know, they didn't have the resources of like a Walt Disney or somebody. So they have conventions in anime that, um, like when you see people walk across the screen, for example, you may not see their legs move because it was a way to make animation a little cheaper years ago. I think anime is so big now that, you know, they've gotten rid of some of those things. 
but some of those things are just traditional so they they keep it so that it can look like anime um but the boondocks was 100% anime it was done by the same houses that do you know all the anime that we're used to seeing so for you andre are you are do you see a lack of representation uh in the anime space uh are are you too close to it because you worked on boondocks and you were kind of ingrained in hey this is uh an anime for black culture well it's funny because you know on the creative side we just think of the writing you know and how it looks right but um i think you know when you look at uh you know afro samurai and i'm not sure about the other one on netflix you were talking about i wonder if black people wrote them because you know people are um sort of fascinated with black culture and they'll tend to do things using black people but they don't know the culture and the boondocks uh and even black dynamite um because you have black people involved in the process we got the culture right mm. so you know like for example in the boondocks when we had riley dancing we would get um scenes back from Korea um, that you looked at the guy dancing, you're like, man, where, where did y'all get that video from? Like, what was going through your head when right. you drew that? Right. Or somebody was supposed to be a thug with their hand on their hip talking to somebody. So we would actually have to film ourselves <laughs> and yeah. send it to Korea so they could see what, like, movements look like. Wow, that's interesting. So boondocks was actually created i know you said it was in the same house as uh a lot of the other animes it was actually created in korea well so the um the even a lot of the japanese anime um the main writers are gonna the main artists are gonna be where the writers are okay but like uh you know how maybe there might be like 50 frames to make somebody walk across a room the key artists are going to be in either America or in Japan, but they'll do all of like the other, say, say the key artists might draw pictures one, 10, 20, and, and 30. The, they'll send them to Korea and they'll draw all the pictures in between just because the Korean artists are cheaper. Understood. So, yeah. And so even American an, animation is done that way. American television animation is done that way. Interesting. So, so Noah, when you're writing this story uh, and writing this article about, you know, either the lack of representation or just uh, not even necessarily lack, but just what is the current, you know, state of the representation in anime? Uh, did you consider was was Boondocks kind of in your uh, view as saying, hey, where where is that that same Boondocks feel uh, as of today? I know they recently said that uh, there was a new version of Boondocks uh, potentially coming out, but did you consider Boondocks when you were putting that article together? Yes, I did. Um, I actually uh, briefly touch upon the Boondocks mm -hmm. in um, my article, and the reason why I chose to in include that is because it just had uh, an anime feel to it. Everything from the character designs was just pure anime, and LaShawn Thomas who um, worked on the Boondocks 1 and 2. He was the co-director. Yeah. yeah, he he created Cannon Busters, the show. Oh, he did? Okay, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. And he also worked on Black Dynamite, 
in The Legend of Korra, which was another, um, which was an American-based show, which is considered an anime to certain viewers. But The Boondocks indeed was something that was present in my mind as I was writing this. Mm. And quickly, mm. LaShawn, that's what, I mean, He was a, he's a great artist. I think his input on Boondocks, and I'm, I know all the guys at Black Dynamite as well, Carl Jones, a great artist, um, but he's actually a producer. Because you have these guys in the room, they're going to get the culture part of it right. And they're going to make sure that any mistake gets fixed. And they, you know, these guys are sticklers about that. So that's why, I mean, it's, you know, when people are doing stuff with black people, black people have to be in the room. Yes, I agree. Because it's also more than just who's on screen. It's also about who's working behind the screen on it. Right. And so as of today, what is the current state of black anime or just anime uh, in general with uh, representation from black culture? I know we named a couple, but is that all? What can we do to uh, maybe add more content in that space? Well, right now, um, we're going through content wars. You know, everybody's coming um, out with streaming services. Disney is. Mm -hmm. um, Warner Brothers is coming out with HBO Max. So the best thing we can do is through social media, propel these artists forward who have great stories to tell because they exist. Justin uh, Richburg is a great artist who did um, Childish Gambino's um, Feels Like Summer Music video. Mm -hmm. And he's, um, I know it's not necessarily anime, but um, he uh, creates animation that's just beautiful to look at. Um, and he's one of the uh, great examples to look at for new creators making new content. We're kind of adding on to what Noah's saying, too. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's about the story at the end of the day. And yes. anime is just a way to present a story. So, you know, with the Black writers out here uh, and directors who are, you know, making content, they should consider, is anime the right a presentation for it right because i i mean it's just another way to spread you know our our stories throughout the world yeah i agree i agree as well and so it, it leads us to your your second article noah where we're talking about watchmen and we're looking at that first scene and it looks like uh they've pulled from historical um inspired facts of of Black Wall Street, uh, what was your take when you saw Watchmen open up with their opening scene? Uh, how did you take that in? It was crazy. Um, I actually, my great-grandfather um, was in that riot, so I already had some prior knowledge to it, and I'm, I'm going to give you a little more history about myself. Sure. My great-great-great-grandfather is Booker T. Washington. Wow. So I was already famil familiar with Black Wall Street and the happenings down there or what right. happened there. Right. And I was just blown away that anybody would show that, you know, I'm glad and grateful they showed it because that's a huge part of history that's missing from education. Nobody, nobody teaches about it. What did you, what did you think when you saw that opening scene, uh, Andre, uh, of, of Watchmen? 
Um, I mean, I, I thought it was amazing. I love the Bass Reeves part at the very beginning because he's yeah. a true historical figure um, from uh, Oklahoma. And, I, I, you know, as a writer, I thought it was an incredible way to set up a alternative um, universe that this show is going to live in. And it's going to be a way to really address kind of where we are now um, with race being such a, a big issue. I think as, you know, black people are moving up economically, uh, socially and, and kind of, you know, we're looking, we're, we're not going to be denied, you know, we're at that point now. So I think that it was a great way to set that up. Now, something you, you mentioned earlier is making sure that we have writers in the room from our culture. I remember when that Watchmen was trending on that first day and everybody was talking about it, I was going back and forth with a few uh, radio hosts uh, on Sirius XM and they were saying they're so excited about it. But my question was, did we, are we writing it? Are we producing it? Uh, I don't know the backstory of Watchmen. Are, is people, are people from our culture uh, actually writing that story or is it... They're well, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, there are, you know? yeah, I, yeah, I read a, there was a great article. I wish I knew what magazine it's in, but the guy who, uh, the creators from Lost and Left, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, Lost and Leftovers. And he was saying he got inspired by, and I'm going to destroy my alumni's name, but uh, Tenaheshi Coates' okay, article yeah. or book. He, he, and he said he didn't know that Black Wall Street existed. Hmm. And so because, and he called himself a fan of history. And so he wanted to make sure if he was going to write on race that he had people of color and women in the room. So I think there's it's a writing staff of 12. Um, there's six white men. And then the other six are black. Uh, I don't know if they're black men or women, but there are some black people and women as the other writers, which for you know sadly that's a decent amount of people in a hollywood writing room for mm -hmm. a show like that so noah when you write this second article about watchmen what are some of the things that people can look forward to reading about what are some of the things that you touch on um i'm not gonna try i'm not i'm gonna try my best not to give away spoilers for the people um who have not seen it, but sure. I talked a little bit about uh, the original comic book Watchmen, uh, which was brilliantly written by Alan Moore. Um, and I talk also talk about uh, the paradigms of race in Watchmen. Um, the original Watchmen comic book was more so a commentary on, um, I, I think, uh, politics at the time with Nixon and just corrupt corruption um, versus the TV show, which is definitely more about race. Um, it's more race-centered than anything else, and I really get into that. So you, you focus on um, the different dynamics of race that is happening in Watchmen and how it's uh, impacting the story. Yes. Okay. And, what, I, and how I think that story will unfold. Okay. Um, so I know we want to be careful here because we don't want to give away too much. And I respect that. Um, do, do we think Watchmen has the potential um, to cause uh, race relations to become better? 
or do we think that this show could potentially uh, create a firestorm where things could get worse? And I know that's a heavy question to ask, but I, from watching the two first, the first two episodes, it's a very heavy, <laughs> heavy way that they're presenting it. And I'm wondering what 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 do we think the culture is going to, uh, how they're going to respond to some of the subject matter that they're seeing. I mean, I think there's always going to be those people who, uh, I think HBO lost what 250,000 viewers uh, after episode two. People saying, uh, you know, here you go again, uh, bringing up race and you know muddying up doing things to divide us. But I think for the people that are a little more enlightened and open, it's going to be a way to, uh, they're going to look at some issues that make you think and, you know, give you some discussion points. Um, And some of the actors on the show kind of are saying that they're like, if you just let this thing ride out, there's going to be opportunities to talk. I mean, I think there are a lot of white people out there and even black people who have no idea about black wall street. What could a, you know, what did a, uh, a black man from world war one looking for acceptance in this world have to come home to, you know? Yeah. And there's some parallels to even that today. Like, you know, when, why, how can a black man that, uh, you know, is doing great in society, you know, get pulled out of his police car and, and beaten for no reason. So I think, you know, it's an opportunity to discuss current issues and look at how people dealt with things on a show. I, um, so what I think is, I, th- these are conversations already happening. Yeah. And if anybody has read the original Watchmen book, that also touched on some heavy themes. So the people who are saying, oh, there you go, talking about race again, what, the original Watchmen book, uh, you know, had some stories about race there too. It had some topics on race. So that's just a completely irrelevant statement. Right. You know, if, you know, if you really love the source material, then you will really like Watchmen. Uh, these are, these are prevalent issues in today's society. So to not talk about them would just be silly. I wonder, not foolish. I wonder if people got spoiled with the Game of Thrones being basically 99% uh, white. I wonder, I wonder if they got a little spoiled with that over the last six, seven, eight years. And now with a, a new regime coming in with a new story, I, I wonder if a lot of those people are, are just left over from, from Game of Thrones uh, um, as an HBO base. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really don't know. I just I still just think there's always going to be that group of people who mm-hmm. just don't want to discuss race. And I think when you bring race up, they're going to go to that we're dividing everybody up talking about something that's very real in society. I mean, heck, the X-Men is pretty much about race. Yeah. Right? Um, I'm not looking to cause a big controversy, but I'm pretty sure uh, half of Game of Thrones audience went away with that uh, series finale. (laughs) (laughs) And if, you know, for the fans that stick around – stuck around for that series finale um, and liked it, I'm pretty sure that they have no problem watching Watchmen, which is so far its season uh, premieres vastly superior than that series finale. Well, I will say this about Watchmen. It is, it is well written. It is, it's making me think because, you know, I'm trying to put it all together. It's like so much uh, kind of being thrown at me, 
I, I I'm actually shocked, and I'm I'm 33 years old. I, I'm shocked that um, on the first day, on on the premiere day, I saw on my my Twitter feed so many people had no idea that there was a, ever a such thing as Black Wall Street. So I mean, I guess it's, it's a good thing that we're you know, you know having you know the conversation. But I was shocked that nobody knew about Black Wall Street. I've known about it for over 20 something years. Uh, I remember reading about it, you know, when I was younger and reading about an autobiography of Malcolm X. And so I, I had no idea so many people, because I think it was trending like number one or number two at the time, of uh, people talking about Black Wall Street and learning about it and the conversation that it was, you know, uh, sparking. Yeah, I mean, I'm not shocked. I mean, even amongst, you know, Black people um, as well, I mean, all of us don't know our history. And if, you know, this show is going to make some people go back and look. Um, and a lot of white people, they really don't know history. So, oh, yeah, you know, definitely. there's the group of us that, that study it. But I still think um, it's a smaller group than we think, you know. And people tend to hang out with people like themselves. So sometimes, like I've known about Black Wall Street as long as I can remember. Right. Most of my friends do. But. I probably hang out in a little small group of people that I think's bigger than it really is. Um, I come from, you know, I'm 21. I come from a, a younger generation and not a lot of people know about it. The only reason I know about oh, wow. it is because, you know, I grew up with uh, intelligent black people who, you know, would talk about it openly and as if, um, as if it was still happening today, you know, um, they, they took pride in Black Wall Street. And I think it's important for um, the elder generation who know of Black Wall Street to pass down because my generation wouldn't have, if Watchmen hadn't happened, unfortunately, Black Wall Street would have been something that would have died in history. Wow. Nobody, I, nobody would have known about it. Okay, and full disclosure, Booker T. Washington coined the term. Yeah. Mm. And that's, you know, and hearing those rumblings um, from my family members about it uh, informed me, informed me of a lot of uh, black culture that was unfortunately forgotten. Ignorance breeds more ignorance. Right. And that's something we need to remember. Mm. Were you familiar that there was also a form of Black Wall Street in North Carolina as well? Yes. Okay. Okay, yeah. For those who are listening and, and, and not aware, do some homework. I, I believe it was in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm recording live from uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. I believe it was in Durham, North Carolina, that there was also another form of, of Black Wall Street where things were thriving, banks, churches, uh, so many different you know businesses uh, in Durham. And I believe that there were uh, there was also... I don't know if it was a bombing, but I know there was issues there as well. So as much as what was happening in Tulsa, Oklahoma, there was also the same thing happening in North Carolina as well, for those who are unaware. Mm. Now, I want to jump to your your third article, now that you, you mentioned it, where you were talking about Zoe Kravitz uh, and uh, Catwoman. What were your thoughts on hearing the news that she... Uh, potentially is going to be the star of that movie. So 
for a while, there was an internet rumor that Matt Reeves, who is the director of the new movie, The Batman, wanted to cast uh, a person of color in that role. So I was kind of expecting um, Tessa Thompson yeah. or uh, Logan Brown to be cast. Uh, so when Zoe Kravitz was cast, it wasn't surprising to me, right. but it made me happy because I could picture it and I could see it. And it, may, it makes sense because, you know, Jason Momoa is her stepfather and he plays Aquaman. So it's right. all in the family. <laughs> right. Um, so I just, I, I walk away very satisfied. And as you know, Jeffrey Wright was officially cast today. There were some rumors, but he was officially cast today as Commissioner Gordon. And so that's just another win for the culture. Yeah, I saw that. And, you know, I, I posted something on our Black Equity uh, Network Instagram. I said, could we ever have a Black Batman? I know that it would... I don't, someone, you know, they comment, they said, well, technically, uh, the story actually derives from South America. I don't know if any of that is true. Uh, but um, do you think that is, is possible that some of, uh, some of these... Uh, superheroes and, and people that we've looked up to, could they be casted as black? Uh, I know Spider-Man had a cartoon that was a black Spider-Man, if I'm not mistaken. Do do you think that some of these superheroes could be casted black within the next few years? I think that that's a complicated question. Mm -hmm. um, more complicated than you realize. Um, some characters are written a specific way. Um, Bruce Wayne is you know a wealthy white guy and his family has had that wealth for generations on generations yeah and i think it's you know a little unrealistic to have a black bruce wayne uh who's exactly the same as a white bruce wayne because you know uh slavery black people didn't have uh wealth going back generations when they came to america i do believe there can be a black batman but i don't think there could be a black bruce wayne I could. I'm not a writer like on this, but I could. I could make it work. I could. I could make. Uh, I can re re uh, retell the story where Bruce Wayne, instead of it being his his actual him being the actual son, he's an adopted to a white family. And that's something I. That's something I didn't think of. That's a great idea. I I love that. Or um, it could have been Reginald Lewis's uh, <laughs> grandson. <laughs> Who, you know, mm -hmm. bought Bruce Wayne's company with his dad's billions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. And, there's there's you know, ways to make it work. Yeah, uh, yeah. You want and, to, you know, if if yeah, you're, you really want to. Yeah, if if you're bent on not making Batman black, then of course you know you're not going to see it. But there are ways to to make it happen, especially Superman's from a whole other planet. So you know, it, does Superman really have to be white? I mean, we could. You know, we could make that work as well if we really want. Well, there is a black Superman. And oh, I think. Well, it, um, well, there's actually two black Supermen. Oh, I didn't know um, one is named Calvin Ellis, and he is based up, upon Barack Obama. Hmm. He serves as president of the United States in the day. And when, you know, he's called to duty, he becomes Superman. Is this um, recent, that's one. And recent comics or? Within the last five years, yeah. This okay, is, it's a that. pretty recent. Um, and then you have Val, uh, another character named Val Zod, who I think is the more popular one since he's a lot more recent. Um, he is from a, you know, in the world of comic books, you have multiple Earths and realities to differentiate the stories so readers don't get confused. He is a uh, Kryptonian 
you know, from Krypton um, to Earth. And instead of landing in Kansas, the government found him. And he would later go on to be Black Superman. And he's an interesting one. Back when there was a rumor on the internet, Henry Cavill, who plays the current Superman, um, was said to be leaving the role. There was a rumor that Michael B. Jordan would be joining uh, the DC Universe as this Superman. And there's even fan art of him on the internet for those to see. And I even include that in this article, in my article. Now, who's, who, uh, who is uh, Fantastic Four under? Is that Marvel, DC? Who, who are they with? Marvel. They're in, with Marvel Comics. So Michael B. Jordan already tried this Fantastic Four thing before, and it didn't turn out too well. Already, <laughs> well am, am I mistaken? Um, no, you are not. But that movie had a ton of problems preceding him. So um, that that movie's uh, failure, I'm sorry to say, wasn't mm-hmm. his fault. It just okay. was not a good story. It wasn't faithful to the comics. Didn't have uh, comic accuracy like we like nowadays with Marvel and DC. Marvel and DC, they, they're swinging for the fences now with their comic book stories. It's not the early 2000s where the character gets the costume in the last 10 minutes of the movie, you know? Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Black Equity Podcast. I am inviting you to join the exclusive Sip and Share Wine Club, which offers monthly and quarterly memberships available, deliveries of two, four, or six bottles of sweet, dry, or both wines right to your door at a 10% discount. Only 100 monthly members accept it. Begin enjoying all the privileges and benefits that go along with belonging to the club. There is no fee to join. You only pay the cost of your wine plus tax and shipping. Two wines is $38 plus tax and shipping. Four wines is $76 plus tax and shipping. And six wines is $114 plus taxes and shipping. Once again, join the Sip and Share Wine Club. This is your invite. Only 100 monthly members accepted. What do we what do we think about uh, this Black Panther two uh, that is rumored to be coming out and what what is it twenty twenty one maybe uh, what, what do yeah. we think about this Black Panther two uh, coming, I coming back that is amazing Black Panther was a huge win and I am so excited to see that um, see that sequel it, it's going to be amazing Ryan Coogler is an absolute genius. And he had he had more people working on this movie uh, than people know. He had uh, Donald Glover, uh, you know, he uh, did some dialogue. So it, it's just such a win. And if you don't know, recently um, some some there's been a Marvel shakeup. Kevin Feige, who is now the uh, creative uh, chief officer uh, at Marvel, fought for Black Panther to be made, fought for Black Panther and Captain Marvel because apparently the uh, CEO of Marvel, uh, Ike Perlmutter, didn't want those movies made. And Disney came in and they said, we're going to split Marvel into Marvel Studios and then everything else will go to the original CEO. And so Kevin Feige headed up Marvel Studios. And those were two movies that he almost that he pretty much put into development immediately when he was given that position. And they both went on to make, I think, more than a billion dollars. Mm. You know, I would love to see more black ownership of comics. I know there are a few, uh, I guess, black owned comics out there. Are you familiar 
with some of those that are out there and uh, some of the names so people can uh, check it out? So uh, I am. Um, there's a character created in the comics called Riri Williams, um, and she kind of plays into Iron Man, and she is a, a character, a black woman of color, and mm-hmm. she has a great story. There's even been rumors that uh, Robert Downey Jr. is pushing for a, a TV show to be made about this character with a new D- Disney Plus streaming service. Okay. Uh, that is one. I mentioned Justin Richburg earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't have a dedicated um, comic book series, but his work is on Instagram and it's just phenomenal. Uh, it has to be checked out. And he, you know, he should get all the support um, possible because he's just uh, killing it. And of course, Black Panther, that has. Um, that story is just getting more awesome by the issue. That's definitely uh, worth checking out. Let's see. What else can I th- uh, think of? You know what I watched the other day? I watched, um, I'm, this is technically not uh, part of either one of those universes, but I watched Mr. Glass, or just Glass, I guess it's it's called, with uh, M. Night Shyamalan. And yeah, yeah, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and I, I finally had a chance to watch that. Technically, I guess it's the third installment. I'm not sure, you know, it it depends on how you look at it. Um, But I I call it the third installment. You have Unbreakable, then you have Split, and then now Mm -hmm. you have Glass. I found Glass to be truly, uh, especially the the way it ends, understanding that there's these groups out there. I'm not spoiling anything, but there are these groups out there who are trying to make sure they suppress these superhero powers out there. The way he did it, I found to be truly fascinating and well done. Yeah, no, I think that was written very well, directed well, good actors. Um, And it comes back to something I was going to say a few seconds ago. It's just about stories. And Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, you mentioned, you know, how do we get more black comics? And that's a great goal, but I'm just like, I want black stories. So if we're going to create our own legends, it can be in comic books and it can also be for movies and television. I just think with the, uh, the need for content, the, uh, the, the movie world and the episodic uh, television world are just ready for this stuff. And even if you're uh, like a writer that just writes stories, there are other writers that can take your story and turn it into a script. So because take- those are two different skills. Take take me inside that writer's room, Andre. You were working on uh, season two of the Boondocks. Uh, what is it like when you're you're going into the writer's room and you're trying to put together a full season? What does that process look like? What? How many hours are you putting in? Tell us some of the dynamics of, of doing that. Yeah, I mean, first, I always tell anybody, anybody, if you had one person that knows writing structure, um, anybody can come up with a television show or a movie. Right. In these writing rooms, you're going to work. It's a, you know, it's a labor of love. You're going to be putting in your 60 hour weeks. Um, and the way that it works is you kind of are sitting around and like whatever stories you may have from your life, you can convert them into um, episodes. And when you have, I guess, Boondocks, we had two, two. We have five writers, basically, with five other people 
that are funny and on the same uh, kind of wavelength, you can craft these stories to be anything you want. And so on the boondocks, we would just pitch ideas. I had a really crazy online date that just got out of control. Um, and that's the episode called Kung Fu Killer Wolf Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so you took you took your experience and threw it into the episode. It's literally almost, uh, I mean, it's embellished in the episode, <laughs> but it was pretty, pretty straight on. Or there's a basketball episode. Do you remember a news story about a um, autistic kid who was the statistician for his basketball team? Mm-hmm. And he came in at the, like they were losing or something. He came in and hit like 10 threes in a row. Yeah, I remember that. So we added that into the boondocks. Nice. Nice. Um, nice. Real quick. Go ahead. Um, I just want I just thought of two uh, pieces of media, which I just can't forget about because they're so good. Black Lightning. Yeah. Which films. Uh, yeah. Which films here in Atlanta. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, what recently came out, Michael B. Jordan's uh, produced show Raising Dion. And shout out to Sammy uh, Haney, who is a regular commenter on the Blurred uh, Binder Instagram page. They're all just great. That's a great show with a positive message. It's important for uh, children to see superheroes that look like them. I can't stress that enough. Black Lightning, to me, I believe is superior to every other um uh, I guess superhero type show that's actually on TV. Uh, to me, Black Lightning is well written. I mean, they, then you have recognizable faces. You have new coming newcomers coming in uh, as far as actors. I, I truly love Black Lightning. I I missed the first season and totally just didn't watch it. And then one day, I been to watch it on Netflix and I couldn't put it down. And now. We're on the third season, I believe. And every time it comes on, I, I record it and I'm watching it within 24 hours. I truly, truly want people to watch Black Lightning more. And yes, I, I did watch Raising Dion. I thought that was a, a dope first season. I don't know if they're going to continue with this or not, but I really enjoyed uh, Raising Dion. I think it's a, a nice, fun-hearted uh, look into superpowers and you know, kind of building up your own family. I did find it interesting. Uh, how do I say this without spoiling it? I do find it interesting how easily we trust white characters <laughs> in these shows. And sometimes it's not necessarily the best thing when I'm thinking about raising Dion, how easily it is that a white character can befriend a family. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it may not be what it appears. Mm. yeah i mean that 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 happens you know, unfortunately yeah. um you know as a society we tend to trust white people i like yeah, I mean, i'm serious you know yeah and just, i could even see scary. in a writing room someone just going you know what? we need to add this character yeah i i think if if anybody gets a chance to watch uh raising dion the deepest part about the show to me is something that's not spoken it's the, the trust of just trusting uh, a white person just because I guess they're white or because they're a friend of the family. Uh, I find that to be very, if I think about it, uh, also the, the, the lead, the woman on the, the mother on the, the show, she was very hesitant to work with uh, a fellow black dancer just a little bit. 
she had to think about that one. But with <laughs> the white guy, oh, everything's cool. Everything's, you know, wonderful. And so I found that to be a very interesting dynamic. I'm not sure if the writers meant for that to happen uh, or or not, but I, I saw the hidden message uh, within that. I think um, we we as a community, and I think this just extends out of the writing room. If we see, you know, a, a white person who looks friendly enough, we think, oh, nothing can be wrong. My mother says to me, when white people are around, black people are on their best behavior, mm-hmm. and that is something we have we have to we have to notice it, and then realize we're noticing it in order for it to stop. Because you never know who's truly out there. There are some real sinister people in the world. Yep. Um, I agree. And, what, and what can I? And I can talk to Raising Dion second season a little bit. If you, the listeners go to the Blurred Binder Instagram page, there is a message that I posted from one of the actresses, Sammy Haney, who I mentioned earlier, who gives instructions on how to get Raising Dion renewed for a second season. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely needed, especially with uh, you can see that they can uh, really attract a younger audience. I think I think that that show is definitely needed. So I give two thumbs up for Raising Dion. I give two thumbs up really to everything that we've uh, talked about today. But I also want to dive into, like you were saying earlier, Andrea, just about black stories in general. What are some of the recent black, uh, black related or black centered stories? Whether it be TV, movie, uh, what some, what are some of the movies or TV shows that uh, may not be anime, may not be superheroes, but are really dope writing and you would recommend people check out? Oh goodness, man! I'm such a hater that I always get on shows late. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing's leaping to mind right right now mm-hmm. but i know there are there have to be things out there um i got some yeah yeah let let noah jump in sometimes i sure. don't watch stuff so i'm not jaded by um you know things when i create my own mm-hmm. so i i recently over the summer got into Issa race insecure oh yeah insecure. which is just phenomenal um i think it's one of the greatest television shows ever made um I also i i i love Atlanta. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, well, represent Atlanta's wonderful. Yeah. Um, those are just two I think of the greatest shows ever. And the problem I think with uh, audiences who aren't black who watch or want to watch black shows is they often think uh, this is just a show about being black. But I think both yeah. of those shows appeal. to wider audiences because they don't zero in and the message is put in subtext you know exactly yeah the real black experiences um that the the things that are happening in the show and then there's a subtext of oh for black people is oh that's happened to me before i remembered that well and one thing i'll tell you about both those shows i think they do a great job with black men i think Mm -hmm. um insecure black men are usually like the coolest you know dudes no problems with women um you know they're kind of on kind of that's kind of the stereotypical role black men take and they make these guys more normal you know yeah um and then insecure is amazing i'm sorry and then atlanta is amazing to me because 
these guys, if you, when you look at um, Paperboy and uh, Lamar, uh, Keith Stanfield's character, mm-hmm. they're not like street cats all yeah. the way. Like, they may come off that way, but when you really see them, they're really normal dudes. They're not very threatening, and they're almost playing roles. But they're, you know, they're not like these hardcore killers that, that you know, the world would make you think they should be. Yeah, and real quick, I want to give um, a shout-out to my boy Solomon Simmons. He actually was one of the kids who robbed Paperboy in that uh, eighth episode of the second okay. scene of Atlanta. So just a quick little shout for him. And, and you know, uh, you mentioned Issa Rae and Lakeith. I know they just announced today, as we're recording this, that they're going to have a new movie coming out called The Photograph. uh, That's going to be coming out around Valentine's Day of next year. Uh, So definitely people should check out that trailer. It looks like it's going to be a a nice uh, type of romance type of, of movie. Uh, with two black leads in it that I don't think the actual, you know, being black is, like you said, the the focus. It's just two human beings that happen to be black telling a love story. So I think that's going to be uh, an interesting one for the culture to check out as well. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I, I'm i really glad to hear that. I didn't see that um, today, but I'm glad to hear that that's happening. I, those are two of the greatest performers of our generation. And Lakeith Stanfield, he... Um, he was even cast going back to anime and uh, and then racement casting. He was cast as um, a character named L and Death Note, who is completely who um, either could have been Asian or Caucasian, and but he's a black man, so that really shows his talent and just how great he is. So shout out to him. Well, and that's yeah. just coming back to it. That's the thing. I just think when we write our stories, I think there's no definition of blackness. And I hate when people try to define, you know, um, you know, what black people should and shouldn't do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so good stories are just good stories. And if the characters are black, they're black and you're going to bring your own culture to it as either or the actor, the writer for sure, but you don't have to necessarily focus on what you think black people should be writing about or should be doing until we have the freedom to do whatever the hell we want to do. We're not, you know, you're, you're kind of trapped, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Um, Also, uh, we were talking about what, what the best shows are. I think my favorite show, I think I did an episode on this. My favorite show that uh, appears to come from, our culture. My favorite is Snowfall. Oh, I believe yeah. I believe Snowfall is the best show on TV. That's just me. But um, to understand, and I know it's based loosely off of Freeway Ricky Ross. Not really, because I've heard his interviews, and he's saying it's a total knockoff of his actual story. But there are some some subtle things in there that are similar. Uh, to know that you know the CIA had the hand their hands in putting uh crack cocaine or, or cocaine in the the streets of Los Angeles. Um it, it's truly an eye opening uh story that I think a lot of people should pay attention to. And then you get to follow the lives of these uh kind of start off as kids and they start growing into young men who are trying to build this empire uh and basically change their lives. 
uh, all while, you know, being uh, directly tied to the CIA and the government. Uh, it, it's a, it, to me, it's a very fascinating story uh, initiated by John Singleton, rest in peace. Uh, it, it, to me, it's the best show on TV currently. I, I com- uh, completely agree. Um, there have been some TV shows that have kind of commented on this. Black Dynamite had a pretty funny episode, and I believe the Boondocks made a few references to it a few times, but Snowfall... S- we, we, it's funny, Dre and I were talking about this the other day. Snowfall is what power should have been. Right. Yeah. Power has, it's really gotten um, almost soap opery. Yeah, it's yeah, just hard it's, to keep it's, that it's story ridiculous. going. Yeah. <laughs> power is ridiculous. It, it's fun to watch, but it's like, come on now. Yeah, like, yeah a lot exactly. Of stuff is just, it's like, you know, that's not, that's not accurate. That would never happen. You know, they talk so much on the phone. All There's too much information they put on the phone. That shouldn't be there. Uh, they know their phone should be tapped by now by by the FBI. Exactly. But it is fun to watch, and hopefully we can wrap it up and have a good ending um, up to it. And I always laugh. When Unlike Game of Thrones. Yeah, I just hope I don't see ghosts jumping over a shark tank uh, on a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, but I see people always comparing power to the the wire. No, like, no, no, it's no, snowfall. It's snowfall no. that should be compared to the wire, but yeah. it's like snowfall. I guess maybe because it's on FX. I don't know what it is, but it's almost like snowfall is like off in the corner somewhere, and it doesn't get as much attention as shows like Billions or shows like Ozark, which are really great shows. But to me, I just love the way Snowfall has developed its characters uh, over time. I, I agree. That is Snowfall does deserve more fame. It deserves a lot more awards too. John Singleton just he crafted a masterpiece. And if any show deserves to be compared to The Wire, it's definitely Snowfall. Um, the Wire was just absolutely amazing in each of its seasons, and I, I love the first season. I love Omar as a character. He is just so well written and so well performed that he definitely deserves to be one of the no I'm, I'm, let me take the back he is one of the greatest characters uh in literature and media yeah, i agree i agree i agree a thousand percent um now we mentioned atl atlanta we uh i, I believe her name is zazzy beats is that how you say her name yes now she was on. She was in the new movie Joker. Now I know Joker is not uh, a black lead. I know it's not more than likely not black written, but it is. Uh, I think it is important that we uh, discuss Joker since we did talk about comics. We did mention Batman. Um, have either one of you had an opportunity to, to see the Joker movie? And are are we sensing any type of? Uh, weird things going on because I know a lot of people were saying it, it's promoting white supremacy, it's it's promoting white nationalism. Uh, you know, what are your takes on the Joker? If you had had an opportunity to see it, I haven't seen it. So I miss. I'm ashamed to say that um, I bought my tickets this week to go see it. I haven't seen it yet, but okay. um, I do know some things about the Joker movie. I know it addresses mental health. Um, And that's one of the major themes. And I and mental health is not talked about enough in the black community. It it just is not. And it's something we need 
to put in the forefront of our minds. It, we need to get down to it because I grew up with very, I grew up with very strong men, you know, who keep their feelings inside and never, never talk about uh, what they feel. They often come home, grab a beer, sit down, watch TV or do something else, then say, hey, what, um, this is what's on my mind. You, yeah, you would never exactly. know what they were thinking at any given moment. Yeah. And then, I mean, we have people that deal with significant depression um, and anxiety. And they either, you know, they may smoke weed or drink and not deal with it. And then we interact with each other. And, you know, you have people that are interacting with depressed people. Mm -hmm. And we end up having bad relationships. So, yeah, it's definitely something that we need to talk about. Yeah, I, I definitely felt that. You know, when I was looking at the Joker movie, I was waiting for something to jump out at me that said, alert, alert, red flag. This is, you know, they're trying to put hidden messages. messages. I didn't sense that at all. I, I sensed a really good movie, mm -hmm. uh, like, you, like you're saying, about mental health and what happens when someone uh, maybe isn't tended to, isn't loved, and how they... Uh, can morph into to, uh, something completely different than maybe they were destined to be, or maybe this is their destiny. Uh, but when you're telling that origin of the Joker, you have to kind of dive into what would make someone turn into quote unquote a psychopath uh, that he ends up, you know, turning into. That we all technically, a lot of people have have grown to love the Joker, uh, the actual Joker character. Uh, so this is you know, the evolution of, well, how does he turn into that? Um, so a lot of people my age, I remember it was like 2016, I believe, when the Suicide Squad movie came out. And that movie, mm -hmm. you know, had the Joker and another famous uh, DC character, Harley Quinn. And couples mm -hmm. were just in love with that relationship for Halloween. They go as it, uh, that couple. And I was thinking to myself, this is an abusive relationship. Right. Don't, yeah. you know don't put this on the forefront um and they in the movie kind of made it seem cutesy which is really dangerous and that's that, that's really what i have to say we just gotta we gotta be careful this is why education is important this is why a good family structure is important because we can't get better as a society if we don't have good education um without an education People, you know, ignorance breeds more ignorance. Um, yeah. so it needs to be on the forefront, teaching people our history and how to best avoid it, you know. And, and adding on to that, I mean, I think we have to also know how to separate art from reality. And I think we yes. do it a lot with our rappers. That was one of the big points we made on the boondocks. We always had our saying, like, rappers are actors. So, yeah, they really you know, are. they're sitting up here being big old thugs on TV and guns and stuff like that. But these are dudes that sat down and wrote 30 songs yeah. for, you know, one album. So, you know, you meet a lot of them in real life and they're artists. But, you know, we can't separate that. So then people emulate characters like emulating the Joker, Harley Quinn, uh, Harley Quinn, you know, relationship where we really have to start, particularly with our people, teach us how to separate art from reality yeah and um i you know uh my mentor eric gordon was he told me something interesting that i noticed he was telling me that in the black community when we have a problem we turn to rappers and athletes 
and I'm not trying to stir up controversy, but every other community, they bring lawyers and politicians. And that's something we immediately have to separate. We, as having rappers and athletes as role models is good, but to solve problems, we need problem solvers, people who went to school to learn how to solve problems in our community. Well, that was one of my concerns with the Revolt Conference. Uh, the Revolt Conference got a lot of attention with Killer Mike and T.I. and all these different people there. Um, and I know, I think it's still going on now. But it's like, it's a lot of entertainers. It's a lot of rappers. It's a lot of uh, people in the spotlight. I would rather have like educators uh, and people who have actually studied some of the issues that are facing our community. I'd rather them be at the Revolt Conference, but then if you have them there, does, does it sell tickets? And I know the Revolt Conference partnered with AT&T is all about selling tickets. And so I know it's a fine line, but if you're really trying to solve real issues, like you said, I don't know if entertainers and athletes are going to be the ones to do that. They're, you know, they've committed to their craft. They're trying to be really great at what they do. They, they may not have the answers. Actually, I, most of them will not have the answers. There's, there's a few rappers that I would say, okay, I would love to hear from him. But, mm -hmm. you know, the majority, no, they're not going to have those answers. I, I, and this goes back. I mean, Malcolm X was actually one of the ones who, you know, said that first, like, you know, we don't get PhDs. We have comedians out here. And he was talking about Dick Gregory before Dick Gregory was known as a civil rights activist. So, yeah. 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 Now, we, we can't uh, end this without at least acknowledging that we're going to have a, a huge conversation about black representation. Uh, we kind of touched on black Hollywood. Well, the last question I have is, what is your take on the Tyler Perry Studios that just uh, was well, been open for quite some time? But I know they had their grand opening a few weeks ago. I mean, I, I, you know, so I respect Tyler Perry a great deal. I think some of the product he's put out, you know, art wise, from a subjective standpoint, isn't the art that I love, but you cannot knock that guy's hustle you cannot uh knock how relentless he is how much he believes in himself and i think you know any black person in entertainment should strive to be like tyler perry because again i'm going to come back to art is subjective i mean we've all heard the arguments about what old rap is the best new rap sucks and you know I consider and argue why the new rap's just as good and all the old rap wasn't as great. But what Tyler Perry has done is unbelievable. And, well, let me not say something. It's believable, but it's absolutely amazing. And, um, you know, we need to, 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 to work harder and maybe work together to try to do uh, things like he's done where he's putting his own money behind projects. Yeah, I, I completely uh, agree. Tyler, I live right across uh, down the street from the Tyler Perry studio. So I saw the, the lights go into the sky when he was opening, uh, when he had that grand opening or that uh, mm -hmm. tour. And it was, it was, uh, it was a sight to see, I can say. And his uh, studio, I believe is bigger than the Warner brothers lot. It might, it's definitely one of the biggest, if not the biggest. And that's that, an accomplishment for a black man 
like to get that that that's absolutely uh, absolutely nothing less than amazing um i agree with uh dre on this um i i like his work um i think it's also necessary to have a different style of work too but backing his own productions it's just fantastic and we need more tyler perry's in the world so this has been a really great conversation and I, I look forward to continuing this. You both are welcome to come back on. How do people reach out to you uh, and check out your work, Noah, and also you, you as well, Andre? Um, so I have a, a few Instagrams. Um, please check out the blurred binder on Instagram. It's on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, the Twitter handle is at request gaming. We cover everything from tech to toys um my personal account is riot boy atl it is private though so you may not uh you may may not uh, get a response you'll just have to see um and yeah that's uh that's how you reach me and then i'm pistol andre and i'll spell that um p-s-t-o-l-a-n-d-r-e uh, on instagram that's the best way to get in touch with me and stay abreast of what i'm doing now, you, you were saying that you're an entrepreneur uh, as well. So tell us a little bit about your company before we go. Yeah, um, it's funny. During the writer's strike of 2008, it just shocked me that – I'm sorry, 2007. It shocked me that you could lose your job for a union. And so, you know, having a finance background before getting into writing, I opened a medical weight loss clinic here in um, Georgia with my uncle. And so we've been doing that for 10 years. Um and that has been a great thing. We do some, I guess, medical weight loss, and we do some cosmetic uh, procedures there as well. Awesome. Is, is there a way to support that? Yeah, or any absolutely. And uh, it's a company called ValentineWeightLoss.com. So it's spelled like the holiday Valentine without an S, and then WeightLoss.com. Awesome. Thank you both for coming on the show. Uh, I'm excited for the people to hear this conversation. And once again, the doors are open to come back on, especially, you know, uh, maybe towards the end of, of Watchmen, we can have another follow-up uh, conversation. I'm not sure how many episodes they're going to have, uh, but we'll see how that season finale goes. Because I have a feeling that they started off with Black Wall Street. I don't know what they're going to end with. Uh, so I'm excited to see, you know, how that turns out. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have to um, do a recap and see how the season goes because, you know, the second uh, episode aired uh, this past Sunday and I'm engrossed. Like yeah. I this story is I feel like this story is only going to get wilder as we go and definite as on it. The race issue on its own is worth a TV show. And then when you add in the comic bookiness of The Watchmen, it makes it just a, ma a masterpiece ready to happen. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to talking about this. I think it may be one of the uh, the biggest shows uh, on HBO ever. Um, but I also mm -hmm. think it's going to be a big thing for us to talk about race and society. And if anybody out there saw that second episode, just very quickly, technically, second episodes for something um, that's a serial is difficult because you have to restate the pilot and move the story forward again. So get ready for episode three is all I'm saying. Oh yeah. Th that's going to be I, intense. I love how they, they, they kind of weaved in very subtly that, Hey, 
whatever happened in Tulsa, people are getting. I, I don't. I don't think they use the word reparations. It's a different word. Redfurations. They're saying redfurations because uh, in that world, uh, Robert Redford is the president. Mm. Who is a famous yeah. actor for those who don't know? Yeah, tell tell me more. Who who is this? Robert Redford, who is a famous um actor throughout the um I want to say sixties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is a famous actor? Um, is president of this uh fictionalized world. Mm. And he's been president. Yeah, I, I found it to be very interesting that they kind of threw that nugget in there. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, as we're having this conversation about, uh, you know, reparations and, and for this country uh, to really, you know, do what they said they were going to do. 40 acres and a mule and at least $100 is what was promised. But uh, I guess we'll have to see uh, how that goes in real life. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to the show. And thank you, too, once again, for having this conversation on um, really black anime, black superheroes and just black writing in general as we're dealing with uh, Hollywood and telling our stories through film and, and television. Thank you both for coming on Black Equity. Thank you, DJ. I appreciate it. Please, anytime. This episode was dedicated to John Witherspoon. Rest in power.